Welcome to Every Album Member with Mike and Knox. My name is Michael Mansour. I'm joined as always by my Nordic co-host Alexander Voltz. Say hello. Freshly, freshly shaved from the previous episode. You're a different man now. Completely different man. This is Every Album Member. <laughs> Go ahead. I feel like my head is too tiny for my body if I don't have facial hair. That's an interesting point. We're going to talk about that. Hold on. <laughs> this is Every Album Member, the podcast where we listen to every single album in the world, one artist at a time. That is a new discography, more or less episode and today we are discussing minor threat absolutely and before we get into all of that i highly encourage you to follow me on instagram at pope jesse ventura and alex at mother puncher every week i'll be posting in advance which artists uh will be covering that week or not that week but like we'll be covering we're, we record these way in advance but i'll be posting which ones we're recording currently so we can do this book club style you can send emails any thoughts any opinions you have on that artist uh, you know, be a part or something. Uh, send all that to everyalbumever at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest an artist for us to talk about, you can email that as well. Uh, last plug, there will be, like every other episode, uh, a playlist on Minor Threat that we've posted in the link. Wait, posted in the description. Link in the description of wherever you're listening and watching. Uh, full of our favorite songs. I mean, this is Minor Threat. There's going to be every song they've ever done on there, pretty much. Uh, yeah. But there's a, a playlist associated with every single episode uh, that we've done. So you can check all that out at Spotify and the links or everyalbumever.com. You know, it's really easy to find. It's really hard to avoid us at this point. Uh, <laughs> head too small for your body. See, here's the thing. I need more because I've been letting my hair grow out. I'm not going to let it go super long, but... Uh, my, I have a very oddly shaped head and you don't figure that out until you cut your hair like really short. Yes. I would be a terrible bald. I need, I just need some shag. I need some shag carpeting to, just something, something to distract people. I this, and I don't know how I had long hair because, uh, dealing with it post shower is obnoxious. Yeah. I was, I lost it yesterday. I was like, it's gotta go. Dude, the, the because I had long hair for my entire life. It was like it was out of hand. When I finally cut it, I was like, I think I think the the most important, the biggest, most important change was hair was no longer a problem. There, I wasn't finding hair in my underwear anymore. It was like it's a huge quality of life change. Cut your hair, everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not cool to have long hair for your guy. <laughs> uh, you don't have to do that. Age, what you do. A, huh? Yeah, at a certain age, yeah, only for a select few can uh, pull it off. I will say. Uh, it is really hard to perform on stage with super short hair because you, if you shake your head, you just look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. It's there's nice nothing ha- going on. Yeah. I miss, I miss it at, uh, shows. It helps with head banging and with moving around. Uh, other than that, it doesn't help with getting a job, but, uh, minor or, threat, uh, or what? Or women. Or ser- only a very select small demographic of women are into that. <laughs> I've learned yes. personally, or maybe I'm just ugly, but, uh, this is minor threat i am very excited if you've listened to the podcast at any point you know i'm a big punk guy i spent most of my teens uh instead of learning things and skills and making friends i was i was diving deep in hardcore punk from all over the world huge fucking nerd i knew i know way too much about punk bands that no one will ever care about ever ever care about ever care about yes but minor threat is one that people do care about because they are legendary they're one of the most important hardcore punk bands uh one of the best hardcore punk bands in my opinion uh it's really hard and then you know singer uh main songwriter in makai he's basically he's a he's an underground legend i keep using that word but 
Imakai is uh is beloved. He's a, a a mouthy, a mouthy man, outspoken, loud, yes. very passionate, very passionate. Uh, <clears throat> if you haven't heard of Minor Threat at all, which is shocking to me, you have heard of Straight Edge. They created Straight Edge. They coined the name Straight Edge. They were the first Straight Edge band. I'm pretty sure to just not you know not do drugs, not drink, uh, and make it kind of like a badge of honor. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. that, that was pretty uncommon for teenagers. Uh, Worldwide, as well as teenagers in the punk scene. It's quite the stance to take as a teenager, Mm -hmm. but I also thought it it included no fucking. Uh, No, I think what what actually means is no one night stands, no like, uh, no heavy partying. Yeah, Um, it's not actually being celibate. They're not like Catholics or anything. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be. And then, uh, and then. wrestler CM Punk could parlay that into a whole gimmick. A whole gimmick. And not to mention a whole like sub scene, a whole there was it's literally called straight edge punk what what came from this. And I'm not a huge fan of that, but like you know there's some some uh some stuff in there. Uh some decent stuff in there. But put, hmm? put some X's on your uh on your hand. That's where it came from the the X's on the hand. Uh that well the the first image of that was I think the Teen Idols which is Imakai's first band, uh, yes. their first EP. I forget, I forget what it's called, but it's just, you know, hands with X's on it. Uh, that was the the indicator when, you, when you're when going into a, a club or a show, you put the X on your hands to show that you were under drinking age or whatever, or under 18 or both. Uh, but then they started doing that as like, no, we, we, don't, we don't even want it. We don't, you don't have to do that because we don't want it. All right. We don't even want the stupid beer. Uh, but yeah, it's cool. Good for them. Uh, it is like everything else, everything else with that, uh, someone would eventually take that good intended thing and turn it into something bad and something violent because that's just what happens in life. You make a good thing and someone bastardizes it. This happens with everything. And even something as minor as, Hey, I don't want to drink. Uh, you get the Boston hardcore scene, which I believe was militantly straight edge, like bands like, uh, SSD control, um, I don't know. If the, I don't know. The freeze wasn't straight edge, but they were from Boston. SSD control, negative effects. It I might. believe, huh? It might, huh? Fuck Boston. <laughs> I walked right the fuck into that. I walked right into that. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Alex doesn't like Boston. He man, he finds a way to, to shit on Boston for every every chance he gets. He's a bad person. Uh, but I guess in this in this case, you you have some. You're, you have some grounds to stand on because they were assholes. They fought people who weren't straight edge. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, Ian McKay and Minor Thread and all the people from the DC hardcore scene didn't so much care if you drank or not. They just chose not to do it themselves. But, you know, yeah, such is they, life. Don't they have uh, songs like Screaming at a Wall where it's like not about fighting? It's, it's about. And here's a, the semi-ironic thing about Minor Thread and about bands like them who promoted uh, you know, non-violence means of relaying your message is that they were in the hardcore scene where literally I've mentioned this in the black flag episode, episode 24 uh, Henry Rollins, who was good. He's good. Best friends to this day with Ian McKay. Uh, he's from DC as well. His first show with black flag. He gets on stage. First song guy jumps on stage, punches him in the nose, breaks his nose. Like that is what happened. Yes. Uh, so preaching like 
no, like let's have an understanding, let's have a dialogue here, but it's not working. Maybe it's because of the people you're yelling at or the people you're talking to. You're, you're these were teenagers. They're fucking animals. They're animals. And might I add, all males. There was like three girls oh, in the yeah. entire hardcore scene, and they were probably just as violent as the dudes. So uh, it was a very unique time in history. I idolized it a lot or romanticized it a lot in my teens because I was an angry teenager. So I bonded with it a lot. The lyrics are super angsty. They're super relatable for a lot of people. Um, they were poor kids. They were messed up kids, damaged kids, kids that were bullied. Uh, it's about as relatable as it gets. Uh, and music that kind of matched it very fast, very angry. We know what hardcore is, I hope at this point, but anything to add. And then uh, also features one of my uh, favorite punk rock guitar players, uh, Brian Baker. Brian Baker. Yeah. He who would uh, primarily be in bad religion as well as a million other bands. That's right. He was bad religion. Yeah. Um, he, before, is. Yeah. That's crazy. He also, uh, after this, wanted to do Dag Nasty with the, yeah. oddly enough, kind of a callback. Uh, the singer, the first singer for Dag Nasty was, um, Oh, Dave Smalley, I think his name is. I'm going to double check that. But he was the vocalist for DYS, another Boston uh, hardcore band. Uh, really cool voice. He only sang on... Well, shit. Apparently, DYS is a word. I have to put the word band <laughs> after to Google it. Jesus Christ. Um, singer... Yeah, Dave Smalley. I was right. Okay. Um, yeah, Dag Nasty was another one of those kind of post-hardcore bands. Uh, they had elements of punk, but they were a little bit, little bit more musical. Cool band. Um, but uh, yeah, Brian Baker, he's he's an underrated dude. Underrated dude. Super underrated. The other the the Brian Baker played bass for Minor Threat at first, and then went to second guitar later on. But the main guitarist, Lyle Presler, I think is another underrated punk guitarist. Like, yeah. go ahead. Also, while we're talking about bands, I read he was in uh, Big Black for a few messy uh, rehearsals. Lyle Presler or Brian yeah. Baker, really? Oh, yeah. that might that kind of rings a bell. We did Blake Black, uh, Blake Black. We did Big Black a couple episodes ago. I, I can't believe I forgot that. Because he went to college in Chicago and then like hooked up with the Big Black guys, but uh, apparently it was just a mess from from the get go. So. Well, here's the thing. I think Lyle Presley is an underrated punk guitarist, not an underrated guitarist. So he's not like <laughs> a great guitarist. He's just really, really fast, and he he's messy, and he does some cool stuff that fits Minor Threat really well. Uh, I'm assuming that's when uh, Albini recruited Santiago for Big Black, uh, who's a little better, probably. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I still think he Lyle is, did some cool stuff. And uh, man, so I don't know why I didn't mention the name Fugazi at some point. Me and Makai is Fu- Mr. Fugazi. He's he's also he's Mr. DC Punk, but also Fugazi is like the big thing to come out of DC Punk. Um who he formed, you know, with other other members from the scene. Uh, we'll be doing Fugazi pretty sh- pretty soon, I hope. Um, so we'll talk more about that then. But for now, minor threat. Uh, I know a lot about this band. Shocking. Oh, you're going to do all the heavy lifting. I guess so. I've, like, listened to them for a long time, mm. but I'm like, ooh, so, talking about them. Yeah. Is, uh, I, I, man, I, I did... I was such a nerd, dude. I was such a fucking nerd. <laughs> uh, love Minor Threat. So 
uh, DC hardcore pretty much started eight, 1980. You know, the scene started emerging a little bit before that because Bad Brains are from DC and they started, you know, 78 area. Uh, but in Mackay and Jeff Nelson, minor third drummer, they started with the Teen Idols, which is a very angsty pun spelled I D L E S, Teen Idols. Um, you know, friends from high school type thing. Uh, in Mackay was on bass, Jeff Nelson was on drums, and they put out, uh, Man, I'm forget. I'm blanking on the name of their their EP, but it was you know it was a solid EP. And then uh, Jeff and Ian went to form Minor Threat. Ian on vocals, and I've said this in the in past uh, in the past with with punk bands. It's not that a lot of the vocalists. I mean, a lot of the people couldn't play instruments, but a lot of times the vocalists they were only the 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 sole vocalist because of logistics you couldn't really mm-hmm. being a singer in the hardcore scene was a full-time job because you were fighting while singing like literally fighting while singing so you couldn't really have a mic stand on stage you couldn't be playing an instrument yeah. while singing it just it would get knocked over within seconds if you've seen the uh fear on snl footage uh leaving starts out playing guitar and vocals and then within seconds people jump on stage knock over the mic stand so he just takes off the guitar and grabs the mic so it's not like Ian Mackay wrote most of the songs. Like he was the main dude, but he sung. And uh, so they formed that. They formed it you know, with Lyle and Brian Baker. And I had, um, I have right here with me. It is uh, the 20th anniversary of Discord Records because me and Mackay and Minor Thread and all of them started Discord Records, which is still going today. Uh, it was at the time, 20 years of Discord. This is a cover for all you, man, that's like, it's fucking a lot of reflecting going on there. There we go. There we go. That is Ian and Jeff in the original uh, Discord house. Uh, what am I saying? Uh, yeah. So this is this came out in 2000. So this is literally 20 years old, and 40, it's now they've been around for 40 years. 40 fucking years. Discord has been around, but in here, it's saying that they when they got Brian for bass, the biggest deal, the biggest deal for him joining was that he had a Marshall guitar amp. And like, it was like, what? This dude has an app? Oh, fuck. All right. You're in, dude. And a lot of that was like we said in a long time ago now, the Van Halen episode, I think it was episode 18, that they got David, oh, Lee, yeah. they got David Lee Roth because he had a PA, not because they liked his voice, which I disagree. I think he's yeah. a great singer. But that's like a lot of that was, holy shit, this dude has drums. I don't care if he can't play drums. He's got drums. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, it's so DIY and it's not DIY because it's cool. Like it is now is DIY because they had no options. Um, I'm rambling a little bit, but this is, I'm excited because I was watching, uh, uh, like some interviews and like guitar clinic stuff with Devin Townsend from shopping young lad, which we did a couple episodes ago because I'm so, I'm so fucking obsessed with shopping young lad now because of that episode. You should all listen to that. Uh, that listening to him talk about why he's so damn good at everything is because like, it's not, it's really out of willpower and necessity. Like he started singing because he didn't have options to find singers. So we started figuring it out. He started mixing and producing because he didn't have the, you know, the, the means to hire someone. So we just got to figure it out. That's how I've lived my entire life. I learned violin because I couldn't afford to hire a fucking violin player. That's the, like it's, it's entirely a punk aesthetic, not aesthetic. It's entirely a punk uh, lifestyle and, operation and i i am i'm proud of it and i think it's very cool (laughs) i encourage everyone to do that because dude dude, learn it yourself figure the fuck out uh but so that's how minor threat formed you know they they found a dude who had an amp jeff nelson and ian had a million bands together they went on to do 
uh, Egg Hunt, which did like one single. They did uh, Skewbolt slash Grand Union, which is also like another one single band. He worked with Jeff Nelson a lot and uh, a million other bands that we'll probably talk about at some point. But you want to start? We have a, uh, a very short discography ahead of us. Yes, you want to do the uh, rundown? Started uh... rundown. Well, extremely brief rundown. This is going to be hopefully <laughs> this episode is a little longer than thirty minutes uh, because the discography isn't. They have four releases, three EPs, and one full length album. Heavy, heavy air quotes for album. Uh, first EP was released in nineteen eighty one. The last EP was released in nineteen eighty five, but they did break up in eighty three. So it was a posthumous release um yeah they they were all around for a very brief time they, you know much like a lot of hardcore bands but <clears throat> uh before we get into the full discography quick shout out to sam from hastings uk for being such a wonderful oh, yeah. uh, supporter of the podcast and actually uh sending a very lovely lengthy and in-depth email uh this dude is a fucking uh bona fide fan i'm proud to have him listening thank you buddy uh we really appreciate Delightful. it Delight- read that. Delightful. Dude, a day brightener. Day was brightened immediately. Uh, such a such a sweetheart. Sweetheart. Exactly. But we are going to jump into the discography. And it's such a loose term calling this a discography because, you know, they released all, quick spoiler. Uh, all of the all of these these releases in one total about 47 minutes. So it's not exactly could- a full discography. It's less than the yeah. length of one album. I remember buying the complete discography. Yeah. And I'm like, it all fits on one CD. One CD, not That's even an hour. Insane. It's less than an hour. Yeah. It's not even 50 minutes. It's less than 50 minutes. <laughs> Which means, like, I've knocked this out one day. I listen to it repeatedly. Like, this is easy. But uh, the way it's kind of laid out in streaming is a little different. It's not, they don't have the full discography in streaming. They have the first two EPs as well as a couple comp- compilation tracks on one, one album. And then the full length in another album, and then the Salad Days EP, the last EP on another album. So it's all split up kind of weirdly, but we're going to be covering them in the way they were released. So uh, let's start now. This is 1981, self titled Minor Threat. Oh, I was just, uh, oh, just mouthing it. Damn, that, that fucking fooled me. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't do that on all the Such a killer opening. God damn. Okay, so we got about a minute left of the song, so I'm going to lower it now just so we don't like... Uh, what a great, great damn song. Yeah, when... Uh... That's a, a perfect uh, song for teenagers because uh, who can't relate to uh, a friend giving you up for a girl? Yep, yep. For a girl, maybe for not religion. the religion aspect of the song. Uh, I've not maybe not losing friends over religion, but definitely seeing people kind of drift further into that world, and it's a little odd. I grew up around uh, religion quite a bit, so I I was I related pretty hard to the song. Also, best personal favorite. Uh, Oh, are we are we doing that on this? Oh, for sure we're doing it. I mean, we don't have to, but like I I I really do think this is a 
I mean, you should listen to everything by them. It's really easy. It takes no time at all. And this EP is literally nine minutes. It's nine minutes of perfection. This is perfect hardcore. This is, if you have any kind of curiosity and you've never heard what's considered hardcore punk, this is a no-brainer. No-brainer to start here. It's so brief. There's not a single bad song. There's not a single, there's not a single not amazing song on here, I feel like. Everything, every single song is just better than the last. Uh, ly- lyrically, it's so damn visceral. It's really, like I said, man, you were saying before, super relatable, very angsty, but passionate and raw. What you got? Oh, no, I'm good. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I remember buying the, the, the discography and all these songs just went by like a blur. Mm-hmm. And so it may be better to consume them this way when you just have limited songs yeah. to Pretty listen great. to over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, when you uh, go ahead. Seeing Red is great. Oh, right. Uh, Wait, which Tony Hawk game was that in? Tra- what happened? Which Tony Hawk game was that in? That was definitely in some in one of those games. Oh, I have no idea if it was. I can look it up, but that's uh there's a few tracks where um where jeff his drums sound like he's doing double bass but mm. he's not because he's a punk drummer right so yeah they, there was not a lot of double bass going on there and the, I, I remember being a kid and being flabbergasted how they would play so fast and nowadays like i can get it i get it and i could do some of it you know mm. just, just practice really but at the time i was like man this is the fastest thing ever made course i was before i heard grindcore or death metal or whatever but like especially for kids who my goodness no one was trained there was these are schlubby dudes in garages and it's it's endearing for that but surprisingly talented dudes it's, and like i think this uh hawker punk has this in common with black metal typically the only people who could play were the drummers oddly like that's weird how mm-hmm. just the drummers could play for the most part but uh these riffs from beginning to end, so damn hooky, so catchy. It's like if these weren't Hawker Punk songs, they would be pop hits. They'd be good pop hits. Like everything is just like, yeah, I want to just hum that all day. Yeah, uh, Minor Threat, the song, that's one of the few songs that has like melody to it. It's yeah. real fun. It's real solid. That song was, uh, a le- that song is a legit hardcore, hardcore anthem. Everyone covered it when I was a teenager. Everyone covered that song. It was oh song. yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah, there's a huge list of uh, mm-hmm. people who have covered that. And song. I, I also mean like even like local punk bands, like people in, in backyards where I would hang out. Like as soon as someone put it, started playing Minor Threat, everyone in the, the whole backyard would start singing along to it. It's just one of those one of those songs. It's wonderful. And then you have One uh, Two XU, which I didn't realize is a cover of The Wire. That's Wire. Yeah, it's a wire the song. Band, wire. Yeah, uh, also that's not on here. That's a that's a compilation track. So, uh on the first two 7 inches, which is what you'll find streaming, uh the EP technically ends at the song Minor Threat. Um and then uh Stand Up and 12XU are were released on the Flex Your Head compilation. Uh it was a DC hardcore compilation, pretty solid compilation. Um but, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's all you can you can lump it in with the first EP or the second EP. Uh Went to XU is a is a wire cover. Uh, I think it's pretty damn good in terms of covers. Yep. Um, 
We talked about the song Straight Edge a little bit, but that is on here as well. We talked about that movement in mm-hmm. detail kind of at the beginning of the episode. Um, what else do I like? Oh, Screaming at the Wall, like towards the end of the song, there's a cool little, the little bridge section. Yeah, that- Screaming at a Wall. Uh, I love that breakdown. Uh, it's uh, It's not like... Listen, this is hardcore. It's not the most musical thing. It's not the most, you know, impressive, you know, constructed thing. Sure. But like hearing a breakdown like that, like in the middle of this high speed, you know, you know, fast fest, uh, it's like, oh, cool. This is a nice little mix up. It's it lasts 20 seconds, but it still helps. And uh, even that main riff, like it's super simple, but it's just, you know, I'm going to put on just the main riff of Screaming at a Wall because it's surprisingly interesting for something so simple. Oh yeah, Jeff Nelson's oh he's real good. He's speedy. He's not like doing crazy percussive things, but in terms of hardcore drummers, he's like, you know, he's up there. Uh, I mean, really every song in here is wonderful. Small Man, Big Mouth. I fucking love that song. It's like a perfect hardcore song. It's a very, it's such a specific yeah. lyrical matter. It's just a, a guy, literally small man, big mouth. It's a dude who's little, who's got a Napoleon complex, who's an asshole. That's what, that's what they're singing about. It's like, how, how much more specific can you get? Yeah, none of these songs uh, have metaphors. They're very straightforward. Mm, There's no like aha moment. Mm. It's just it is what it is. These these kids are mad. That's what it, that's what it is for the most for the most part. Uh, and then like I don't know, every song is good. If I just name all of them, I'm just gonna I don't know what to say. Like Bottle Violence was just <laughs> one of my f- all time favorites growing up. Uh, I was really really obsessed with that song <laughs> growing up. Uh, it's amazing. It's, 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 as far as hardcore goes, if you don't like hardcore, this is probably not going to turn you, but, uh, in terms of just goddamn hooky riffs, man, it's too good. Too damn good. They almost feel like the, uh, inverse of black flag mm-hmm. and in terms of, uh, or as far as the message goes where it's like, don't, you know, no drinking, uh, well, Black Flag, they they didn't they, they didn't shy around drugs. Black Flag for sure did drugs. Uh, Henry Rollins. Oh not no, so much. that's what. I, oh, you mean the no, opposite? Inverse, I mean, inverse. Like, my, my mistake. My mistake. Oh yeah, completely, completely, dude, completely. <laughs> yeah, they both play punk music, but the messages couldn't be any more different. Not, I feel like not to mention the music itself. Like I noted this too. Like bands like Black Flag were, I guess, more musically ambitious. Uh, they were crazier, messier, more kind of harder to pin down but i think minor just simply wrote better song not better song but like more accessible songs uh in terms of like if you're if you're cataloging hardcore punk when it existed uh you would pr- like the lay person would probably enjoy minor threat a lot more um black flag did crazier think, stuff uh, but i don't think minor threat really had like uh, a chance to be ambitious though they didn't because when they started, as soon as they started to get going, they were, they broke up immediately. Uh, and I have thoughts yeah. about that too. And I, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but, uh, yeah, black flag is, 
and it's like the total opposite too. Like in terms of like the, you know, Black Flag is LA, Minor Threat is DC. Like it's they're just yin and yang, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but aside, from, oh, one thing I should also add, uh, Makai's voice. I like his voice. It's a super weird, unique voice. He's not like he's screaming or yelling, but he's yelling in tune. I've said that in the past before. It's not really scream. It's not you know tone. It's not like white noise. It's usually in. It's usually one note for the most part, but one note that matches the riff uh, or whatever. But he also uh, he also has a lot of mush mouth. Imakai is a bona fide mush mouth. Oh yeah. He says he says fuck like JB Smooth fuck fuck like where there's like so much yeah. K so much CK in that word like uh, you could do this dude for sure spits on you when he talks like for sure uh, but I like his voice I think he has a cool voice. Uh, and it's like really endearing too. It's really authentic, raw. You know, he's not a chain, a trained dude. He doesn't have the greatest voice, but it's really fucking believable, and it's, it, it works with the music real well. Holds up like a fine angsty wine. I really, really love the CP. <laughs> uh, and just like that, one down. <laughs> and just like that, one down. I'm gonna try to stretch this as far as it'll go. But let's move on to the same year. This is 1981, and once again, in my eyes. One of the best angry songs ever. Ever written. God damn this song. Also, surprisingly lengthy at 2 minutes 40, <laughs> something like that. Ooh, voila, fancy. Real fancy. Emerson, Mike, and Palmer over here. Better, better clutch your pearls, Emerson. Coming for you. <laughs> also real diverse for... For a punk song or a hardcore punk song? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, God, those drums. You tell me right the Damn, this song is so good. You tell me you wanna be different. You tell me it's only natural. You just need the proof. Did you fucking then, get it? Alright, goddamn. This song is too good. It's too good. I think it's a and then, fairly yeah, we didn't even we we didn't even get to the the best part, the at least like tried. What the fuck have, have you, you done? done? Yep. I I think based on how long I put that song on, that I think might be my favorite minor threat song, period. Uh it's it's oh god, it's so fucking good. That that was like an anthem for me as a, that was my anthem as a kid. Just man. Mm. Uh, I listened to that a lot during class instead of uh whatever teacher uh that's why I'm a failure. But goddamn the goody peep also Oh, it's kind of weird. We talked about that song on the the Rage episode. Oh, uh, which one? In my eyes, right? Yeah, because they Rage they covered it. The machine. Rage Against the Machine covered it on was it Renegade or Renegades? Yes. Yeah, that's yes. episode seven. Uh, that that's so long ago now. Thinking about it, uh, that was over forty year episodes ago. Oh boy, we've been at this a while. It only took us forty episodes to get from Rage to to Minor Threat. It, it happened. Damn it, that's all that matters. Uh. 
I remember really, I think I remember this EP being my favorite as a kid. Uh, going back to it, uh, I don't love it as much because mostly out of step. It's a favorite. It is one of their you know most notable songs. I don't love it. It's fine. It's a good song, but it's just not my favorite. And the production on it is oddly more trebly than the rest of it. It's a it's kind of ear piercing, mm-hmm. and it come it comes right the fuck out of nowhere. Um, but that's uh, another like straight edge anthem. Yeah. But I think that one can resonate with people because there's more uh, lyrics dealing with feeling like a uh, a black sheep. Yeah. You know, one of the the logos Minor Threat uses. For yeah. Those, you yeah. Know. For sure, yeah, that's you, that's actually no. the, the cover of the the album, the following album, uh, Black Sheep. Yeah, it's more about being an out. The whole thing was about just being angry about being picked on, being outcasted, uh, and that's basically every hardcore band. But just Minor Threat was a little bit more uh, articulate with it because Ian McKay is a really smart dude. Mm-hmm. But uh, Guilty Being White is one that these days I it, it pains me that people would con- would interpret this song as racist because of how anti-racist the message is and how anti-racist Ian Mackay is. It, re- it really sucks to have his uh, message uh, misconstrued like that. Yeah. When I was young, I wrote a paper called Guilty of Being White, and mm-hmm. I, reg- I regret it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the reason I related to it not because I think the song is racist. It's because my my perspectives have changed mm-hmm. a lot on how the world works. But I think uh, me and uh, McKay were in a very similar position where we both went to schools where we're white, yeah. but we were the minority yeah. at school. Me too. And it's yeah. a yeah, it's a unique it's a unique feeling that most people don't have. Yeah, and that's. That's a perspective he came from. So yeah, it's not racist, but it also the only people that can t- interpret it as racist who are people who who have never been in positions of being a minority like that. Because here's the thing: like I'm not full white, but I was white enough to be picked on for being white. That's how not white my my upbringing was, uh, and the, the schools I went to and all that. So it's like, and here's here's the thing: from the perspective of this song, it's like this is a teenager who's been beaten up for all his whole life for the color of his skin, he's literally a minority, not in like a, you know, a historical or, you know, um, in sense of like, you know, the the U S population, it's literally a, a a teenager's, uh, daily life is the, is the teenager's world. You can't expect them to be interpreting, uh, any kind of transgressions as a global thing or universal thing bigger than themselves. It's completely uh, unfair to put that on a kid. So when you're this kid's literally getting beat up for the color of his skin, he's going to write an anti-racist song from the perspective of someone who's being discriminated against. Uh, Anybody, because people are people and humans are humans, you're going to interpret that whatever fucking way you feel like. But uh, his intent is his intent. I stand by the song and I stand by Ian for damn sure. Yeah. Slayer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Episode 30. Also, no- <laughs> huh? yeah, we did a lot of like minor threat cover songs in the lead up to this. Slayer. I know, right? Yeah. It infamously changed it to guilty of being right. And yeah. And the final line of the song, guilty of being right. Uh, I, I feel like that's probably a more trolley thing on their part, knowing Slayer. Uh, but for this, for this, like this is literally a, uh, 
literally 19 years old because he says he's 19 years old in the song because he being white. Uh, yeah, a 19 year old who's who's best up, and I get it. Like I've been I've been in many fights because of race because they were picking on me because they didn't like me or whatever. Um, obviously, uh, from a global perspective, you know, historical it doesn't it means nothing, and it you know my quote unquote strife and Ian Mackay's for that matter it doesn't matter. But uh, when you're a kid, it definitely does matter. It sucks. It's not fair to to attack a kid, oh, yeah. a kid for no reason. It's fucked up. Yeah, I think once you you grow up and you realize how the like an adult would not I don't think an adult would write this song once they've right experienced the world a little more. And in the, the same way it's very the same way an adult person wouldn't attack him for being whatever color well adult's a loose term. Uh, same way a a good decent human being wouldn't attack someone for for no reason the same way he wouldn't you know be so inclined to scream about it awkward silence okay continuing awkward silence are you freezing up on me i'm sorry i had some leg i had some leg oh, I was lag. Okay. To do. yeah i had some leg there um stepping stone i was like this is a weird song but it's another i didn't realize they had cover songs oh yeah yeah stepping stone is not just a cover song it is oh god everyone their fucking aunt covered stepping stone been, yeah it's a yeah paul revere it's in the Raiders, like right? A, yep it's almost like a a, a standard yeah yeah I'll, weird though i don't i mean i guess Lyrically, you know, don't don't use me as a as a tool. Kind of, it makes sense. It lines up with it, the no. If yeah, it fits perfectly in Minor Threat's message and their songs. Also, I'll add that I think while well, everyone covered the song, I think Minor Threat did one of the best versions, if not the best version. Like this has all kinds of studio effects. Uh, that's it's kind of a stretch to say that, but they're still like. It's not just them recording the song one time and then being done with it. It's like, there's a lot of stuff on Ian's vocals. There's like there's the studio effect. It's cool. And it's uh, also a, t- a whole two minutes, super lengthy, super lengthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the more uh, infamous covers of the song was uh, another DC band called government issue. Supposedly theirs was the best cover of this because it was literally eight seconds long. <laughs> it was just the chorus. And then it ended <laughs> like, I mean, that's what we're dealing with, with hardcore punking and the shorter, the better, the faster, the better. Um, and like, like everything, like we were saying in the beginning, even hardcore punk got pretty militarized in terms of what was considered punk. Like we talked about the Minuteman episode 16, uh, how just because they weren't exactly like every other hardcore band, they got literally spat on, uh, while performing. So, like everything if you're if you leave a bunch of young males in charge of something it's gonna get pretty nasty uh it's uh it's lord of the flies every time it is absolutely it is fuck man it's a million percent that but it's a solid cover and also the cp is seven minutes i don't know like yeah it's yeah it's a it's a it's good but uh i I, yeah again i thought this was gonna be my favorite but you know out of step don't love it after all these years so much. And there's stooping stone. Well, it's great to cover. Um, but again, is whatever. Good band, guys. You you know this. We've been talking about this. Yeah, this listen to every song. Um, they would go on a, a brief hiatus. This is one uh uh Presler. Presler. Yeah, Presler. Low Presler. Yeah, he 
he would go to uh, college in Chicago for a quick second, and the band was on hiatus. I believe. And uh, that's go ahead. Oh, that's when he like did a few rehearsals with uh, Big Black. Mm-hmm. But then uh, HR was this like, nah, college is stupid. You should uh, come back and HR start up minor from Bad yeah, Brains. From that, ba- yeah. I have a story about HR from Bad Brains. HR is the singer for Bad Brains. He's one of my favorite vocalists, I think, ever. I adore his voice. He's insane. Also, he's actually insane. He's actually insane. Uh, I don't know what he's got. Some kind of mental illness. But boy, oh boy, I have read some interviews with the guy and he is not there. It's crazy. And also, during the Bad Brains, he was extremely violent. He would get in fistfights with his brother on drums. <laughs> Earl, his brother, was the drummer for Bad Brains. Straight up fistfighting with that guy. He was a front, a hell of a front man. But if he's telling you to quit school, do not fucking listen to him. He is the wrong person to listen to. <laughs> uh, I think. Um, yeah, I think. Pro- li- go ahead. Probably not. Probably not the best life advice, but uh, he took it. He took it and minor threat reform. I believe Lyle was in college for six months. I think it was six months before he dropped out. It's very short. Yeah. Like what? Like so? This hiatus was, you know. We're back in 83 right now with Out of Step, the first and last actual Minor Threat album. This is one of the longer songs at almost three minutes. Almost three minutes, that song. Yes, there's a few songs that go over three minutes here, and this is their most uh, musically ambitious, if you want to call it. That this is where you get some hints of like, oh, I could see how Fugazi came out of this. Actually, Um, one thing I'll, I'll mention about that because you said Fugazi. Before Fugazi, Ian started a, a band called Embrace. Have you heard of them? I have not. They're, they put out one album, self-titled album. It's real damn good. So Embrace, do you know the band The Faith? Uh, yes, that's where his uh, brother yeah. is in The Faith, right? The Also DC Hardcore, Al, uh, Ian's younger brother, Alec, was the vocalist for that band. Uh, Embrace is the entire Faith, the band The Faith, but we're just Ian on vocals instead of Alec. Yet they sound completely different. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that. It's real ASAP. good. And the reason I bring that up is because uh, later on uh, and then the next EP, they start to really sound like Embrace. Uh, but here we're starting, we're, we're already moving in that direction. A little bit, a lot more musical, uh, longer songs. Having said that, this is still a 20 minute album. <laughs> it's not exactly long. Yeah, I think up until listening to it, I feel like I overlooked a lot of these songs because the 
the EPs are just like bangers and real iconic songs on there. Yeah. And I think uh, when I was younger, I may have just started like checking out around here. But yeah, these songs are, I think they're real interesting. They're real solid. Yeah. Um, Betrayed, uh, the track we played, I think that's one of my favorite um, uh, Jeff drumming tracks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like like you was just saying, not in that, not many of these are like instant classics because like the first EP is just, man, it's just it's just iconic hardcore song after after a song, and this one, what would what hurt it for me was like the last, aside from cashing in the very very last track, which I think is pretty fun, uh, like sob story into no reason into little friend into out of step, like all of those, I'm like oh, okay they're good, but I'm not and these aren't these are not for me. Um, they're like, and my, then yeah, for so people know they re-recorded out of step so Ian could put I in front of I don't smoke I don't drink because they, they felt like it was too uh, like imposing the like they're telling you what to do with don't smoke don't drink. I also heard that it wasn't because of that. I heard also heard that he did it uh, just as like a syllable type thing. Like he wanted to add it because of, you know, just for the vocal purposes. I don't know which one is more true than the other because definitely people did, uh, like a lot of people felt like he was a little bit too, you know, these are my rules. Listen to me kind of thing. Um, so that's mm-hmm. the main thing you'll hear on that. This version of out of step is definitely, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't fuck. Um, but I've, I have, I've heard both stories where it wasn't because of that. And it was because I, of that. I think it's, I think they both may be true that could be is this kind of like an opportunity to, to do it. So they did. And not only that, uh, in this version of it, aside from it being produced way better, no more ear piercing, you know, trebly trebliness that I had a problem with on the other EP. Uh, instead of a guitar solo, it's now an entire spoken word diatribe. Uh, Oh yeah. 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 Uh, it's fine. I, I like that. I like that diatribe too because it it makes it clear where he's like, yeah, I just don't like these things. I think they're stupid. Yeah, you know the s- same way I think golf is stupid. Yeah, and- I get behind that. I don't fucking like golf. Although, in all fairness, I do like the thought of riding around in a golf cart on a giant green field. That sounds super fun. It's the game of golf. I don't care for. Um, but uh, I, I like the guitar solo more probably, but. This version is like kind of, it sounds a million times better than the original. It's kind of objectively better. Uh, mm-hmm. But the first half of Little Friend, I really don't care for those riffs. I like the second half. It's kind of mid tempo. It's kind of slows it down. Uh, I don't love Stop Story. I don't really care for no reason. But like, they're like a minute long each. Like, there's, there's not, there's, this is such a consistent, you know. Uh, but I think it's just, oh, wait, go ahead. You're just going to skip over uh look back and laugh. Yeah. Yeah. You one beat me gr- to it. You beat me to it. Yeah. That's one of the greatest punk riffs ever, I think. And then it gets weird. They do like some dub reggae echo effects on the drums in the middle of the song. It's just uh, a great song. That's their first, not the first, but like one of the earlier, uh, you know, this we're progressing kind of, uh, examples. Um, 
It's mid tempo that has the lead guitar as a, as a main riff and it's you no know, lead is a stretch, but you know, it's not like power chords. It's longer. It's like three minutes, three minutes, 16 seconds. It's a, it's fucking free bird as far as punk is concerned. Yes. And uh, it's, you know, it's got a bunch of different sections. It's like, it's one of their most musically ambitious songs for sure. Um, I remember not liking it as a kid, uh, but boy, do I really, really dig it now. I think it was really ahead of its time. It really, captures a lot of the stuff that punk bands in, in post hardcore and then some, even some grunge and noise rock stuff. They started doing that years later. And this was 83. This is, whew, this is early as fuck. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know when we're going to get to talk about it again, but on top of the DC punk scene and why I think they, you hear that, that like reggae drum in here is cause, uh, Another thing that was real popular in DC is go-go, which is like funk music. Really? I didn't even know that. And so uh, a lot of these punk shows were also go-go shows. They were like one, they were one in the same in DC. Mm-hmm. So you had punk bands and go-go bands um, playing shows together. So I think that's, that's why you get some of that. I think, that's another reason why, you know, Bad Brains was uh, kind of more daring they than were. other punk bands. In addition to being bona fide Rastafarians, which, which yes. did contribute a lot to... Helps. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm, I'm excited to do Bad Brains at some point in the future. There are, there are huge, huge influencers to, to Ian and, and everybody in the DC. All of DC Hardcore has Bad Brains to think. Because um, I think it was when Ian and Jeff were in Teen Idols... Uh, they, you know, bad brains are already a thing and they're already fans of, of them. So I think they can, huh? Minor threats first show was opening up for bad brains and SOA in a basement in front of 50 people. So that's what SOA is uh Henry Rollins first band back when he was under his original name, Henry Garfield. Uh, that's his birth <laughs> name. Uh, yeah, SOA, SOA also, yeah, obviously DC Hardcore, surprisingly uh, underrated. They did one EP called No Policy. I highly recommend it. Uh, e- Henry sounds just like Henry on there. If you like Henry, you'll like SOA. But it was a Teen Idols. I think it was one of the rehearsals. And uh, I don't know if it was all of Bad Brains, but for sure it was Dr. No and Daryl Jennifer, the bass, uh, guitarists and bassists, respectively. And Teen Idols were, were, were practicing and like, they were bad. They were kids. They're like, you know, 17, 18 years old. They sucked. They were bad. And uh, I remember Ian telling the story in some documentary or something. He was saying like, ah, I mean, you know, it's, it's shitty bass, you know, sh- shitty amp, you know, it sounds like shit. And then they give the instruments to Daryl and Dr. No, and they're just shredding because they're amazing. Like, oh, it was, uh, it, was, yes. it, was, it was definitely the musicians, not the instruments. It might have been Henry Rollins that told the story. Either way, uh, mm-hmm. Bad Brains were, were fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, so I didn't know that about the whole go-go thing. Uh, never even heard about it, which is funny. I guess I, I do not know as much They're, as I, that I did. Probably one of the more... Um, I've never, like, done a dive on it, but probably one of the easiest, most, like, comprehensible things that covers it is um, Foo Fighters had this series on HBO. I forget what it was called, but they recorded a different song in a different city. And then of course they go to DC because Dave girl and scream scream. Yeah. And, uh, they, they talk about, they talk about go, go at a pretty, 
a good good length in mm. there. So uh, although YouTube exists too, if anyone's interested in GoGo, so yeah, the, uh, people people don't talk about Scream. Scream was uh, Discord Records' first full length album. Uh, it was called Still Screaming, or is called Still Screaming. Uh, good band, good freaking band. And I have a couple of little stories about Scream. Like, um, it's funny because they even get overlooked when talking about DC hardcore, or at least in my experience. I don't mm-hmm. know why that is. They're a really good band, but they were way more musically adventurous. They're way better musicians. Um, they actually had some training behind them or some years behind them. And Dave Grohl was their drummer in like the late 80s, something like that. Before Nirvana, definitely before Nirvana. Yeah. And uh, I remember the story of how we got the gig for as Scream's drummer. He went to audition for them and they said, okay, so what songs, like what kind of, what songs do you know? Do you want to play to, to audition? He's like, well, let's play your songs. I know all your songs. And that was it. Like he just got the gig immediately because he knew all their songs already. Uh, also, another funny story with Dave Grohl and Scream. If you listen to uh, the King Buzzo Melvin solo EP. I was going to, I was going to bring that up. Go ahead. It's by all means, go hilarious. ahead. Go ahead. It's, uh, was it their singer Skeeter? No, no uh, I think it was the, ba- the bassist. I know I'm going to find out right here. I have it right here. Um, it's Dave Grohl telling this, this story. Yeah. Skeeter Thompson was the bassist. The, yeah. Yeah. The bassist, he's telling a story about how the bassist just like disappeared with some woman in France. And it's a spoken word. And then at, the the whole build up to the song is Skeeter whipping his dick out because he thinks he has some STD. Yeah, and Dave Grohl is going, I think that's lint. <laughs> yeah, and that's the song. That's the song. So weird. So uh, it's great. It's great. I remember hearing that as like a fucking nine year old because that's when I was like showing the Melvins, you know, by my psychotic brother. Uh, thank you, Robert, for showing me the Melvins. But. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny. Like everyone is just related somehow. Everyone, especially with, with punk, man, everyone knew each other. It wasn't, there was no gatekeepers. It, literally any schmuck can start a band in his garage. And that's what happened. And so it was so, it's so, I guess, so romanticized now. It's so beloved. It, like it was as real as it gets, man. Anybody could do it. You don't have to fucking have any talent at all. And believe me, they didn't. It was, yeah. it was wonderful. <laughs> Going back to the the album, uh, I re- I like cashing in. I think it's one of their their. Uh, it's not like hard punk, but no. I think it's a fun song. Very fun. And uh, even the outro is more metal than it is punk. So it is. I think it's a yeah an interesting song in their in their careers. I really love that outro. And then. Uh, and then, yeah, just like that, 1983, they uh, they uh, they break up. So they break up, and from what I read, uh, apparently they, it was just a lot of conflict, a lot of fighting, and it's so damn like no duh because they're like 20 year olds, five. Because at this point they had a second guitarist, which by the way, who doesn't even fuck doesn't even matter if there's two guitars in this. You don't notice at all. Like <laughs> Brian Baker when they reformed. Brian Baker went to second guitar. They got a guy named, I don't want to miscredit anybody, so I'm going to tell you right now. Steve Hansgen. Yeah, Steve Hansgen. He was the new bass player. Good bass player, by the way. But two guitar players on this, couldn't fucking tell. Makes no difference. But like, you get five 20-year-olds playing Harker Punk, and you're surprised they're fighting all the time. Like, it didn't work out. 
they broke up. Uh, <laughs> and, and I honestly think listening to Ian's bands later on, like I feel like, because uh, he he's the main songwriter. He's a really talented dude. He's he's kind of a control freak, maybe just you know I may be overstepping, but it seems like it because. Uh, you know what? I take that back because, like, if you look at Fugazi, of how egalitarian the band Fugazi is, um, but at this point, it seems like uh, they just couldn't get on the same page with anything. And if you look at the bands that he would do afterward, way, way less hardcore, way slower, way less punky. I was talking yes. talking about Embrace. Embrace, uh, along with Rights of Spring, pioneered emo. They started out as emo core. Uh, and it was just emotional hardcore is what they would call it. And it doesn't sound like emo the way we know it, but it definitely set it up. And uh, obviously, right to spring, Guy Pachota was the vocalist and then Ian Mackay for Embrace and they form like Voltron to make Fugazi later on. But uh, I'm rambling again. I know way too much about this shit. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to stop. But hey, also, we got to pad this episode out somehow. I'm letting you do it because... Uh, <laughs> On the bright side, we're already almost at an hour, so we we did it. We did it. Okay. Yeah, and we okay. still got one we more did it. We did it. Uh, we're pros, goddammit. Uh, now we're on to the last EP. This was released two years after they broke up. This is very short. It's actually called, it's more of a single than an EP because it's so damn short, but this- Three songs. Three songs. If we can cover Joy by the Minuteman, which is also three songs, and which was also my personal favorite, we can do this. Okay, damn it. Don't yeah. judge us. So we are at the end. This is Salad Days, 1985. This is uh, another funky song, and I think it's uh, the Go-Go influence. Very funky. Very cool. different from the the band that did filler on that first ep this is this is slow compared to that oh yeah no way oh screw Much does this the entire way until it just sort of yeah. just falls apart at the end and just they stop. Uh, I have to give this a worst uh, because it's, I mean, it's not just three songs and it's one of them's a song. cover, and that song kind of does it's cool. That's a song called Stumped, but it does that for like a you know two minutes and then it just dies, <laughs> like nothing else happens in the song. It's cool, but it's not amazing. I think it's uh. Another song I feel like I overlooked, but I like now. Yeah, same, same, absolutely. Actually, I would say the same thing about the title track, Salad Days. Um, it's Sal- a, yeah. Oh man, uh, that song is great. It was only performed once at their final show. Mm. And yeah, there's like acoustic guitars and bells on there. Yeah, bells it's, and shit. It's, it's great. Insane for punk. Actually, that's that's the song that I was gonna bring up. That sounds like Embrace. If you like Salad Days, you'll probably like okay. Embrace. Uh, it sounds a lot like them. Uh, clearly, more musical, more adventurous. They they want to do more. And if you follow Ian McKay, he definitely does do more later on in the '90s and whatnot. But 
There's also a cover of Good Guys. Good Guys Don't Wear White or whatever. I don't know. Who the hell is that by? That's like... That is by the Stendels. And for some reason, the Minor Threat version is not on Spotify. Really? Yeah, it is on Apple Music, though. So uh, if you're doing Apple Music... But I think unlike their other cover songs, you can actually hear like the sixties in here. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. This is, this cover is very much a straightforward cover. It is not a lot of minor threatness to it. Uh, aside from Ian, you know, doing his mush mouth screaming. Uh, one thing I'll say about the streaming thing. Uh, I didn't know it was on Spotify, that song, but the track listing on here is different than the original release. Like I guess mm-hmm. with uh, the CD complete discography, it was also put in this order. So the one you'll find is like it opens with Stumped, ends with the title track. Originally, it opened with the title track and ended with Good Guys, like on the vinyl. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why a lot of bands do that. They just re-release it and just mess with the order. It bothers the fuck out of me, honestly. I think considering uh, Salad Days is pretty meta that it's an appropriate like last song with what he's talking about and, you know... The core being soft. It's, uh, I think it's a good choice yeah. to just say, hey, that's the, le- you know, it's the last minor threat song ever. It makes a lot of sense. It does. And also, it would be a little odd in terms of continuity, not continuity, but like flow to end with a cover. Uh, I wouldn't agree with that. So I like this, this yeah. order better, but I, it bothers me when there's like plot holes, like which one is the one, which is the canon? Like wipers did that. We did episode 21 wipers. They did that oh, with, yeah. yeah, with, uh, with, uh, youth of America, the, like the re-releases, the A and B sides were flipped and it's like, what the fuck? Okay. But on that version, like along with this one, the, the rearranged order is actually better though. So it's like, I can't complain too much. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, I mean, the, the production is is about as good as the last album, if not a little better, maybe. Um, it's a it's a nice indicator of where Ian's next bands would go. Um, it's good, but you know, it's don't I, I wouldn't I couldn't imagine putting this single on. It's like you know what I want to hear just these three songs. I want to put this on and then nothing else. I can't I couldn't couldn't imagine ever doing that. I, I might in my older days, maybe in your new salad days. Being yeah, being now. Oh like, right, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, man, why haven't I been listening to Salad Days? That's an underrated track. That's it. Really is, and I I always knew the cover of the single and the the song name way more than the actual song, which is testament to how much I overlooked it. I think there was like a little mini controversy over that. Like, I think a baseball game used it without asking for permission, uh, like some years. Back. Oh yeah, yeah. And one thing about, well, there's many things about Discord, Discord records and in and stuff. Um, we, when we do Fugazi, uh, we'll dive in a lot more. But let's just say Ian does not like establishments and does not like charging money for things and doesn't like selling out in any possible way. So good luck finding Minor Threat merch, like authentic Minor Threat merch. Uh, or, I mean, you can, not, can these days, but. Uh, Actually, I don't know if they still do. Uh, Urban Outfitters used to sell, and it was because he just got he got tired of fighting the bootleggers, yeah. and he was just like, "Whatever, just I, sell it." I got one of my first, oh, 
ultimate callback. Hold on. I, so one of my first uh, banties was the minor threat shirt. The you know Ian with his head in his lap, uh, full red. And uh, I got a hot topic because that's where twelve year olds get their get yeah. their get their goods. And I told a story on the Husker Do episode about me getting my ass kicked and my face ripped open in a fight when I was thirteen. That's the shirt I was wearing. I was wearing the Minor Threats shirt. <laughs> and guess what What color doesn't show? Blood. Red. So I was able to keep wearing right. that shirt because you couldn't see the blood that got on. <laughs> Perfect. Epis- Wait, what episode was that? Was that? Uh, I'm going to look up right now so I can plug that. Episode 20. Well, I'm like losing this. 29. Episode 29 is Who's Could Do, where I tell that horrendous story. Uh Bad memories, but also cool shirt. That's that's the moral. But yeah, yes, yeah. So like, uh, you you don't see or hear too many Man of Threat songs in like commercials or whatever. Maybe let's probably change these days because you know we don't really they don't make money off of record sales anymore. So you kind of got to do what you can. Backtracking. Uh, Seeing Red was covered by Thrice for Tony Hawk's American Waste. The, oh, one of the few I haven't played. American Wasteland, I remember that. Oh, the covers, God. That's the loophole, too. Like, y- people can cover it, and then the cover will be licensed for way cheap, way cheaper. Uh, obviously, way cheaper. And then a lot of times they'll do like an instrumental cover, like these, these no name, like for profit only bands. Um, They'll cover a famous song or they'll do a thing that's super like the famous song or they're, you know, they'll just do the, they'll, it's like, it's such a business. It makes me kind of fucking sick. Uh, these bands will, will just, their entire existence will be covering famous songs and then, uh, doing a separate instrumental version of that cover and just sell it. And it's because it's cheaper for companies and it's good enough. And, I, uh, I think I, I'm, mentioned this recently with a uh, fucking the last Terminator movie. It was a dark fate. Um, oh yeah. In the trailer. Cause like there's this trend of like super edgy covers of famous songs and they use those for trailers now. And in the trailer for, for dark fate, they, it was an edgy, slow, dramatic cover of the hunter by Bjork. And I was fucking livid because the original <laughs> is so much better and it's so much more fitting for yeah. a Terminator movie. But I'm pretty sure Bjork just said no, I'm assuming. Uh, so they just got a cover. And that's just that's the loop around. That's that's the workaround. They just find someone to cover it. Hence the seeing red for American Wasteland because it's not like you're going to choose a cover of a great minor threat song instead of the original as like a creative choice. I think for that it was kind of to like create a bridge between new, newer bands and older bands. God, I never, I, cause I don't know when we're going to talk about them. I never understood thrice. Like a lot of people gave them a pass or said, Oh, they're like way more musically inclined and maybe they are, but I would just listen to it and like, it's okay. It's not. Yeah. If if I'm going to listen to really musically adept, uh, punk, I'm going no means no for sure. Uh, (laughs) that's that's the closest thing to progressive punk that I think can exist or existed, you know, early on. But, uh, so 
by most accounts, the hardcore punk scene ended in 1986, like officially the nail in the coffin was 1986. 85 was already dying out. D Boone from the Minutemen died in 85. A lot of, a lot of bands broke up in 85. 86 was like the final, you know, resting place. But I think Ian has gone on record saying like, no, I died in 83. Like when <laughs> people was claiming it was still going strong, it's because not just because minor threat broke up in 83, but because I think at that point in 83 is when the the really violent militaristic aspects of the scene started coming out and it was less about a community it was less about the music and it's more about uh everyone had a like these days everything becomes politicized and even the punk scene becomes politicized and you just become uh no this is punk this is hardcore and then you don't agree with me i'm literally gonna punch you in the face literally gonna punch you in the face so that stuff kind of took over probably around 83 at least in dc according to Mackay. so uh, that's why very quickly after like 84, 85, he's doing stuff with Embrace and doing stuff with bands that sound nothing like hardcore or or whatever. But uh, we will continue that on our Fugazi episode whenever we do it, hopefully soon. Uh, it was requested, so it's definitely going to be expe- expedited uh, to a little bit sooner rather than later. Thank Christ, because I fucking really want to talk about them. But I know you didn't give Indeed, as it fucking should. Uh, I know you didn't give any picks, but I will recap anyway. If you can, if you if you can pick, pick. But if you can't, do not. Uh, but my best and personal favorite is the first EP, self-titled. Uh, man, any any doubters, start here. And if you are not convinced, then okay, I tried. Uh, worst only because of uh, minor reasons, such as it being three songs long. That would be Salad Days. 1985 but listen to everything man it takes less than an hour it's good trust me please okay so these might be some some hot hot picks i'm gonna go in my eyes ep personal favorite i understand i'm gonna go out of step their best this because i think musically there's some weaker songs on there but i think in terms of them playing their instruments that's the best. Yeah. One out of step. Yeah. And then again, just for technicality, uh, Salad Days gets worse. But I think Stumped and the title track are underrated songs. I also think that. But thank you so much for listening and watching and joining us for my mostly geeking out fest. Uh, Alex was coming <laughs> up to, to, to let me rant and rave, but I fucking love this shit, man. If I don't look, if I can't use this knowledge somewhere, I'm going to die. I'm going to like boil up and explode. Yes. Now. Like it has to, it has to come on. God damn it. All these years of researching can't be for nothing. But uh, if you want to send any thoughts, suggestions, if you want to suggest an artist, if you want to be a part book up style and send emails about whatever artists we're covering. Send all that stuff to every album member at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram to know which, which artists will, we're going to be covering, uh, you know, next essentially, uh, follow me at Pope Jesse Ventura and Alex at mother puncture. And as always, there will be a po- almost said podcast playlist in the description of where you're listening <laughs> and watching, uh, on minor threat, all of our favorite songs, going to try to not put the full discography just for the sake of <laughs> laziness. Like we don't want to be lazy. All right. You're going to us for our favorites. Okay. But you can, yeah, every album You can follow Alex on Spotify through the link that, you know, so you don't have to wait for the episode to come out. It'll just, it'll pop up when it pops up. <clears throat> uh, but until then, 
I suppose I will be picking final track just for the sake of my nostalgia. If that's okay with yes. you, Alex. Uh, that is fine with me. Although uh, I forgot to share. I remember when I bought my, uh, the, the minor threat CD, mm-hmm. it was uh, the two towers had come out and uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. For, for some reason I said, I'm going to buy minor threat and watch Lord of the Rings. So yeah. I have a spot of that right now. <laughs> If, if any two things had no business being together, it is those two. <laughs> well, you brought them together anyway, and I commend you for that. Jesus Christ. That, that was my Friday night. <laughs> Honestly, I was really into the... Side note, out of all the Lord of the Rings movies, I think The Two Towers is the one that, that I watched the most times, that I liked the most, that was like the most important to me as a human being. Pretty That's because it's got the Helm's, de- uh, Helm's Deep scene. Come on. Dude, rolling Helm's Deep, man. It's fucking... Ooh, so good. Uh... I didn't think about, you know, I did think about a little bit what last song should be, but we already played most of it. It was going to be in my eyes because it's the best, but we played most of it. All right. That's only two minutes. Like, so I'm going to go, you know what? In my heart, in my heart, I feel it. This is, I don't want to hear it from the first TP. Thank you so much for listening and watching everybody. See ya.